You're listening to the What The Fab podcast, where empowered women empower women through candid conversations, inspiring stories, and tangible tips. I'm your host, Elise Armitage. I'm a digital creator, and I left my nine to five job at Google to chase my dreams of being an entrepreneur. I'm so happy to have you here. Let's get into some real talk. Hello, and welcome back to the What The Fab podcast, episode number 42. Okay, I woke up in a little bit of a mood today. I don't know why. I'm just, I was feeling in a funk yesterday afternoon. And then this morning, Omid had to get up super early because it was one of the days that he has to commute into the city. So his alarm at 5.30 a.m. woke me up. Normally I can kind of sleep through that, but I was just dead ass awake from 5.30. And I know I shouldn't be complaining. I'm not the one that actually has to commute into the city. Like bless his soul for being willing to do that so that we can live in our nice spacious home in Napa instead of a shoebox apartment in San Francisco. But, you know, I can be grateful that he's willing to do that commute two days a week and also be grumpy that I've been up since 530 in the morning for no apparent reason. (laughs) Those two things can coexist. So I knew that today I was recording my Q1 2022 income report episode. And so I knew I needed to snap out of this funk because I have recorded episodes in the past where I just was not in the right headspace. I had low energy. I wasn't, you know, feeling into it. I was just like tired. And I ended up having to record them because when I listened back to it, I was just like, this this does not meet the bar. (laughs) This does not pass. It's just not the energy that I wanted to like put out. And you could just hear it in my voice that I was low energy. So I knew this is an important episode for me that I, I mean, I care about all my episodes, but like the financial transparency topic is something that I'm really, really passionate about. So I was like, all right, let's see what we can do. Turn things around. I went for a walk. I meditated. I made myself a nice cup of tea, had some chocolate, treated myself. And, you know, not that I'm like wholly fixed and cured, but it definitely helped lift my mood a little bit. You know, did some gratitude journaling, even the gratitude journaling this morning. I was like, this is not, this is not working. I'm just in a grumpy ass mood. And sometimes that happens. And I think personally for me, it doesn't happen that often. So when it does, and I'm in a bad mood for no reason, I'm like, what's wrong with me? But I think it's just, you know, it's part of the human experience. (laughs) You're not going to be blissfully happy 100% of the time. So I really want to find someone like that is an expert in happiness and like studying people and kind of the habits of happy people to have on the podcast because I think that would be an interesting episode. But anyways... I'm ready to go. We are doing my Q1 2022 business income report. So if you have been listening to the podcast for a little while, you know that I published my 2021 business income report, and that was episode number 34, if you haven't heard it yet. And I dove into the ins and outs of my business, my revenue streams, and exactly how much I made and brought in for revenue last year and my business expenses and really broke it all down. I also, in that episode, talk a bit more about my why and why I'm so passionate about financial transparency, especially among women and women of color. And 
It was really exciting to see the responses from that episode. I got a lot of positive messages, and I think I've seen other women and female entrepreneurs in the online space doing these types of income reports, but I haven't really seen a lot of influencers or bloggers or content creators doing it. So it was a little bit different in that respect, and hearing from people that they either were inspired to work on a new revenue stream or raised their rates or went back and listened to one of my negotiation episodes and that helped them negotiate a higher rate. Like those tangible things were so exciting for me to see because that is literally what it's all about and why I'm so passionate about doing these types of episodes. It's to help other women make more money. And I saw a really great tagline the other day on a woman who does courses on financial literacy on her account. And it was like fighting the patriarchy by helping women make more money. And I was like, yes, that is exactly right. And I talk about this in my previous episode number 40 with Ellen Yin that just came out last week. But we talk about how the society and the culture that we are in is really not designed to support. It's historically been designed to support white men and to make white men richer. And so the best way to fight the patriarchy in the system is to put more money into the pockets of women and women of color, and I'm here for it. So because that 2021 income report episode did so well, I was like, clearly I need to start doing more of these, and I threw up a story poll and asked my audience, would you rather see these quarterly, so four times a year, or does that feel like it's too much? Would you rather see it biannually, so after the first half of the year, and then at the very end of the year? And most people voted for quarterly. So this is my effort to start doing these income reports quarterly. I'm excited about it. And I am going to, besides breaking down and sharing the exact numbers of profits and expenses and, you know, my revenue streams, I'm also going to try and pull out a key lesson learned or theme from that quarter so that it just kind of keeps it fresh and, you know, keeps us learning. And for me, it's also a really great reflection tool as well. Like I just sat down for a couple of hours and went through all of my numbers and kind of comparisons from last year and Q1 of 2021 and pulled out some lessons learned for myself and kind of it's just helpful as I'm thinking about going into Q2 and what I want to do differently. So I'm excited to get into all of that. Before I spill my guts on all my financial numbers from Q1, I have two favors to ask of you. First, if you could please subscribe to the podcast through whatever platform it is that you listen through, that way you will get these episodes queued up and ready to go each week. And then number two, if you could share this episode with a friend of yours, anyone that you think could benefit from it, who might be a content creator running their own business, maybe they might get inspired to share their numbers, whether it's with their circle of friends or in a more public platform, however you do it through a text, through a DM, I would so, so appreciate it. All right. So let's go ahead and dive into what the Fab's income report from Q1 of 2022. So over January, February, and March, my business's total income that was brought in was $76,640. So we are going to dive into what are the different revenue streams and the breakdown of that number, 
why I have a little bit of mixed feelings about that number, a couple of lessons learned, and then also just in general, I kind of want to speak to Q1 and why I have felt like this quarter has been a little bit slower than most Q1s. Usually the first quarter of the year is typically a bit slower, but I feel like this one we've been in a little bit of a slump. I've been hearing it from a lot of other content creators as well. So if you've been feeling that way too, you are in good company because I have been hearing it a lot as well. So we're going to dive into all of that. So that number, just a reminder, I talked about this in my first income report, but I based that number on signed deals in Q1. And so what that means is because sponsored brand campaigns are such a big chunk of my revenue, I am counting that as revenue if there was a signed inked contract during the months of January, February, March. That doesn't mean that I was paid out that exact amount in that quarter because brands all have different payment terms. It could be net 30 days, 60 days, sometimes 90 days. Sometimes if it's a longer term campaign, I don't get paid until the end of the year when it's finished or I only get paid half up front, half at the end of the year. So there's all these different payment terms. But what I'm looking at is the amount of signed and inked deals for those sponsored brand campaigns. Now, like I said, those sponsored campaigns, brand partnerships are a large part of my revenue. And I was breaking this down. Sponsored campaigns made up $56,936 of that chunk of revenue that my business brought in. So that is 74% of my revenue from Q1 was from sponsored brand partnership. I did land one really large one with a partner that I've worked with several times before. So that's like a year long campaign. That's a big one. I had another one that was a three-part campaign that I landed with another favorite, favorite brand partner. And so those were kind of two really big chunks of that. And then I had a few other one-off campaigns, some of them with new brands that I've never worked with before. And so when I'm looking at that percentage, I'm actually, you know, even though and we'll get more into this in a second, but I made less in Q1 of 2022 than I did in comparison year over year looking at Q1 of 2021. And so even though my revenue was less than Q1 of last year, I am really happy to see that my percentage of revenue that is from sponsored brand campaigns has dropped down a little bit. So this year, like I said, it was 74% of my revenue. Last year, sponsored content and brand campaigns was 93% of my revenue from Q1 of 2021. And I talk about this in my first income report, but I am really trying to lessen the amount that my business relies on sponsored brand campaigns for revenue and really diversify my revenue streams. So let's talk about that. This episode is brought to you by Flowdesk. Flowdesk is an incredible email marketing service provider, and they are the platform that I use for my email campaigns for What the Fab. The platform is so intuitive and easy to use. It's very drag and drop. And best of all, it's aesthetic AF. The templates are beautiful, and you can easily add your own brand colors to it to make sure that your emails look and feel like you. I used to use MailChimp back in the day, but after trying Flowdesk out about a year ago, I was in love and I know you will be too. You can give Flowdesk a try for 30 days free. And if you want to keep them, which I know you will, you can use my referral link to lock in a 50% off price at $19 a month and lock that in forever. You can get this offer and try it for free at whatthefab.com Flowdesk. And that is spelled F-L-O-D-E-S-K. 
That's whatthefab.com slash flowdesk. I can't wait to see what stunning emails you create. Okay, let's get back to the episode. The second largest chunk of revenue for me for Q1 was the money that I made from the ads on my website from Mediavine. So in Q1, I made $9,440 from ads on my site from Mediavine, which is a huge jump from last year in Q1 of 2021, where I brought in only $3,200 from ads. These ads on my site are bringing in money without me having to do anything. Like if I stopped blogging today and I didn't touch anything, this revenue would be continuing to occur month over month, quarter over quarter, just from the content that I already have, which is such a great feeling. And it just feels really good to know that I am growing that revenue stream because that has been an intention of mine and something that I really, really focused on last year and just created a ton of new content really, really honed my SEO skills and targeting. And so it's really exciting to see that paying off. I had my first 4k month from Mediavine, which was the month of March. So breaking that number was really exciting. And based on the way that RPMs continue to climb throughout the year, Q1 is historically the Q1 is always the kind of least earning potential for ads because brands are still figuring out their budget. And then they start spending more and more as the year goes on, I'm estimating that ads on my website from Mediavine are going to bring in $50,000 this year. That is kind of like my reasonable goal. And I think that's going to happen. Um, And it might be a little bit more if I'm putting a stretch goal in front of myself. So excited to see that. I also landed a couple of paid speaking gigs. So that made up $2,000 of my revenue. That was very exciting. And also something that I would love to have, you know, create more revenue around. So last year was the first first year that I really that I ever had any paid speaking gigs of any kind and so to have already landed a couple of those at the beginning of this year feels really good and then a brand brand new revenue stream for me well actually let's back up also kind of tied to the blog and website traffic are my affiliate links and so that brought in $3,035 over the course of Q1 which feels a little low to me but it is definitely a lot more than last year I was looking at my Q1 of last year and some things have changed because I was getting paid out last year by affiliate links for Airbnb. And oh my God, I was making bank from those affiliate links because I have some really great travel guides and Airbnb listicle posts that were really generating some great revenue from affiliate links. But sadly, Airbnb closed down their affiliate program. So I no longer make any revenue off of those links, which is a huge bummer. And, you know, just a reminder that things change very quickly in this industry and diversify, diversify, diversify diversify even within your different revenue streams if there's like let's okay for example affiliate links is one of my revenue streams if 90% of my affiliate revenue is coming from this one source that can be wiped out in an instant and it was my airbnb links and affiliate revenue from airbnb were wiped out in a day so anyways the amount of revenue that affiliate links brought in last year, I think is kind of comparable to that. But I know that my affiliates revenue has definitely grown. If you look at like reward style, or now it's LTK, that has definitely increased. And so that's encouraging to see as well. And I know that as I continue to grow my traffic, my affiliate revenue is going to continue to grow too. I think last year, Q1 was I only had like $1,000 in affiliate links revenue on reward style. So to triple that, 
that feels great. And I want to continue, obviously, to keep growing that. Okay, so now let's talk about the brand, brand new revenue stream that I have never had before. And that is my SEO course. So I am working on launching this course. We're getting so, so close. I have had some kind of partnership opportunities come up alongside the course. So I'm working through and chatting through those and kind of seeing which direction to go. But I should have more clarity on a launch date soon. I know that I want to launch this spring because I definitely don't want to be launching in the summer when everybody's traveling and like doing their thing. Their kids are home. They're busy. I definitely want to launch in the spring. And I know that several of you have already signed up for the waitlist from hearing about it on the podcast. If you're interested in joining the waitlist, you can go to whatthefab.com slash waitlist, sign up, and you will be the very first to know when my SEO course is live. Now, alongside this course and as part of creating it, I did a beta of my course. And so what that means is I pre-sold the course to a select group of people, bloggers. It was a mix of bloggers that I know personally, their assistants, as well as a couple of new people who I hadn't met before, but connected with them through a blogger Facebook group. And so they purchased the course before I had even created it with the knowledge that they were getting a discounted rate on the course. And I was going to be teaching it to them live recording the course with them live and then later I would be polishing it up you know chopping it up into modules and putting it on a platform like a teachable or kajabi and they would have access to the course you know for life and so I was able to pre-sell the course and make almost four thousand dollars to like basically get paid to create that course and to record it live which I completely owe Ellen who I just interviewed in episode 40 a huge thank you for that one because she was really the one that encouraged me to do this type of method. She has her paid to create challenge. We talk about it in our episode together, but she was really the one who encouraged me to take this course rather than taking the time to create the course, record it by myself, and then launch it and then see if people buy it. By pre-selling it, I was literally getting paid to make my course, which was very exciting. And again, a brand new revenue stream for me. And so now I have these recordings and the next step is to start working on polishing them up and getting them ready for the official course. Lastly, I have a miscellaneous category that was about $1,400. And under miscellaneous, I have my presets, I have Facebook reels, because there's, you know, still bonuses going on for that. And then I have Poshmark. And Poshmark is something that I don't do anymore. I actually deleted all of my listings on there because at the beginning of the year, I was, you know, every year I choose a word and my word for this year was vision. And so I wanted to make sure that everything I was doing was aligning with a greater vision for myself, my business, my life, and selling shit on Poshmark just wasn't it anymore. And that was something that I had done for years because as a blogger, I received so much product and some of it is, you know, pretty, like has a pretty decent price point, like Urban Decay Naked Eyeshadow Palettes. Those are what, like 60 $70. Mac would send me stuff. Tarte, you know, all, all these like higher end makeup brands, skincare brands, some fashion brands as well. And a lot of times it would either be duplicates, like literally the exact same product that I would receive two or three of on accident, or it's something that I already have a very similar, you know, like how many red lipsticks do I really need from Mac? Like once you have a few, you really don't need 10, 20, 30. And so I would 
would sell the extras on Poshmark and make a decent chunk of change, like maybe one or two thousand dollars a year. I think when I was really going hard, I might have made like four or five thousand dollars in one year. But what ended up happening, and especially as I was thinking about you know, my vision and what fits within that and what doesn't is I realized that I had these drawers and drawers full of this extra makeup and product and things that I, you know, was lugging around with me from my apartment in San Francisco to my house now in Napa. And now I have these drawers just like full of stuff. And then whenever I made a sale on Poshmark, you know, I have to like print out the label, package it up, take it to the UPS, drop it off. And I just kind of decided this was no longer serving me and part of that greater vision. And I just didn't want to have that stuff bogging me down anymore. And so I donated some of it. I gave a lot away as gifts. And I also saved some that I'm going to use for giveaways for readers. Maybe I'll do a podcast giveaway as well. Some really, really good stuff like the Beauty Bio Glow Pro, the at-home microneedling kit. There are a few like really good things in there that I saved for you guys. So we'll do some giveaways with those. But for now, I just decided that that wasn't really serving me anymore. It was something that I needed to just cut out. So that Poshmark item within the miscellaneous was just kind of like residual payments that were coming through from wrapping that up. Okay, I don't know if you saw it on the blog, but I finally finished designing and decorating my office with Havenly. Havenly is an online interior design service, and you guys, they are freaking awesome. And honestly, just such an affordable price point for the type of service that they deliver. And of course, I have a discount code for you. So here's how Havenly works. You pick a designer, you can look through all of their previous designs, find someone that aligns with you and your style, and then you can fill out a whole style quiz and info about the room that you're looking for interior design help with. Then you get into the fun part. So your designer will put together a few different mood boards for you. You give feedback on them and then they start designing renderings for your room and giving you actual product options to choose from. So they'll be like based on your mood board and your style. Here are a few different rugs, sofas, whatever furniture and decor it is that you're looking for for your space. And then you can go through and finalize pick your selects or ask for totally new options. And then once the design is exactly what you want, you can just check out directly through Havenly in one click. So instead of going to Wayfair's website and West Elm's website and a bunch of different websites and checking out a bunch of different times, you can buy everything all at once through Havenly. You know I'm an efficiency freak, so that part really speaks to me. You can get 25% off your design package with my code WTFAB. Just go to havenly.com to use it. And if you want to see more pictures of my Boho Glam office that they designed, just go to whatthefab.com and search for office. It'll pop right up. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Okay, so that was a breakdown of my profits for Q1. Let's talk about expenses. So my overall expenses for Q1 was $23,504. And there are a few expenses in there that are kind of one-offs that were a little bit larger and just some investments and things I wanted to try, things I wanted to do for my business. So we'll get into those. The kind of typical expenses are monthly fees for different types of software like Adobe. So I can run Photoshop, Lightroom, Wave, which is a software that I use for creating my podcast graphics and adding closed captioning to it. You know, G Suite, 
my hosting fees for my website, all those things really add up. It's like 10 bucks here, 20 bucks here, 100 bucks here. Chloe Digital, which by the way, they have a referral program going on right now. If you are interested, shoot me a DM or an email and there's a link where you can apply and just pop my name in there as the referral. I absolutely love Chloe Digital. They have really saved my butt several times. I've been with them for years now and their strategy and their guidance is just unparalleled. Like the advice that I get from them is worth every penny. So definitely check them out and let them know that I sent you if you apply for their grow mode. But so those are some of the kind of monthly fees that I know are set fees that I just have to pay in order to make sure that my website is running and I have the strategy in place and the tech and all of that. And then I have contract labor. So I have Anissa, my content manager, and then we also have a couple of new faces. We have Michelle and Ashley who are what the Fab's new interns. They both actually happen to be students at Berkeley. And earlier this year, I was chatting with Anissa and I was like, you know, I think because she started out as my intern for a year and a half. And then once she graduated, she came on in a more full-time capacity as my content manager. And I was like, you know, I think that we could use some additional support for you in the form of an intern because she was, I mean, she does so much. And I was just thinking we could probably benefit from having someone who could focus on TikTok, Pinterest, writing an additional post or two for the blog, like just kind of that social media manager and additional content helping hand. And so I put up a job posting. I think I've talked about this before in either my hiring episode or my income report, but you can use Handshake to connect with different schools and universities and post your job description. And so that's what I did. And that was how I found Ashley. And she has a really great background and experience with managing her own account for a business that she runs. And so I was like, she's great. She's perfect. And then we also got kind of a later application from Michelle and she had really great writing experience. So I was like, what if we hire Ashley as the social media intern, and then we hire Michelle as the second intern that's focused on writing. And so Michelle is really, she just cranks out blog posts and she's working on usually two or three blog posts a week that are more focused on e-commerce, like retail roundup style picks. So we all contribute to those types of posts on the blog, but a lot of times if you see a post that's like, my top picks for West Elm lamps or West Elm rugs, they are helping me create and write and craft those. So they just recently onboarded last month and we're super excited to have their help. I also have a new VA, Jackie, she's fantastic. And then I have my publicist, Liv. If you're looking for a publicist, she's freaking amazing. She has a great referral program as well. So you can DM me or email me if you're interested in getting a referral and potentially working with her. But so all of those contractor and labor expenses are obviously the most expensive chunk of that 23k and then there were a couple other items that like I mentioned were sort of one-off things so one was Facebook ads I tried running Facebook ads during the month of March to my presets I wanted to try something a little bit different than what I had done in the past which was running them to the general presets sales page and kind of letting people choose like are they interested in the 
desktop presets or the Lightroom ones, or sorry, the, the mobile ones, which by the way, if you want to try out one of my presets for free, you can do that at whatthefab.com free. You will get a free preset that you can play around with. And I wanted to try, instead of sending them to the general sales page, directing them to the page for mobile presets, because I feel like that's the one that's like the lowest barrier of entry. You don't need to pay for the Lightroom desktop software. You can use the mobile one for free. And so that, you know, Facebook ads managers are expensive. I found a really good one who is much more reasonably priced than most of them out there, but she charges $2,000 a month for, you know, 30 days of running your ads. And like I said, that is way more affordable than most ads managers. I've seen them go all the way up to $10,000 a month, which is just insane. I am not that kind of business. Not yet anyways, but yeah, so 2K just for her to, not just, I mean, Facebook ads are very, very complicated, but 2K for her to run the ads. And then you have to put in the actual Facebook ad spend. So I budgeted an additional $1,200 for Facebook ads. And you guys, I had not a one, not a single soul make a purchase from those Facebook ads. So that was really frustrating because Jackie, my Facebook ads manager, and I had really worked through the copy and the graphics and we tried different videos and GIFs and still images and we were getting pretty good click-throughs. Like we were getting pretty good traffic to the website and to that landing page for the mobile presets but people just were not converting and she was kind of baffled by it. So was I. And so, yeah, that was what, two, three, $3,200 that I spent on testing Facebook ads that I got zero return on, which is, you know, very frustrating and a lot of money to, as I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> that's a lot of money to go down the drain that just did not convert. But it was something that I wanted to test and try out. And so now I'm looking at it and I'm like, if I'm going to do Facebook ads for the presets again, I'd have to try something drastically different or I might just have to accept that my presets might not be a major revenue stream for me. I get a few sales here and there and they just might not convert well through Facebook ads. And I definitely have other ideas of how I can use my presets. I'm kind of thinking that I might share them with people who sign up for the course like during certain offer periods as like an added bonus. You get the presets for free. So I'll find a way to make sure that these presets don't go to waste, but they're not going to be driving, you know, six figures a year for my business. At least I just don't see that in the cards for them. So that was one large one-time expense from this quarter. And then the second one was you might have seen me promoting a survey that I was doing last month. And I was letting people know that anyone who took the survey was going to receive a $5 Starbucks gift card as a thank you for your time. And hopefully I can share a little bit more about that in the future. But this is part of a potential partnership that I'm thinking about for my course and kind of working through getting some additional data around what my followers and my readers really want to see, what could be some potential bonus materials for the course. And I really wanted to make sure that I had enough data that we could make, you know, informed decisions. And I just felt like people would not fill out a survey, even a short survey, unless they had some kind of solid incentive. And so at first I was thinking, okay, I'll do a giveaway. So people would be, if they respond to the survey, they get entered into a giveaway for an iPad or 
one free course, like one of my SEO courses for free. And then I was like, I don't know. I feel like giveaways are just so, they're so 2019. I was like, I personally, if I see a survey in my inbox, even if there's a giveaway attached to it, I immediately hit delete because I'm like, I'm too busy for that. I don't have time. Get out of my face. So then I was thinking about it more and I realized if somebody sends me a survey and they tell me you will receive a $10 Amazon gift card or a $5 Starbucks gift card, I'll do the survey. I will take 60 seconds for, you know, a free peppermint mocha. Like, absolutely. So I did a quick poll on my stories and I asked, would you be more inclined to fill out a survey if you knew you were going to get a $5 Starbucks gift card or if you were entered into a giveaway for a larger ticket item prize like an iPad? And I think it was like 92% of people said, give me the Starbucks gift card. So that was really helpful information for me. And I was like, okay, let's do it. I am just going to set aside a budget of a few thousand dollars for these gift cards and have Jackie, my VA, help me with sending these out to people who respond to the survey. So that was that and that ended up being $2,500. So that is a breakdown of my expenses and that $23,500 number. And then if we look at the overall profit margin. My net profits from Q1 was 53136 and that is a 69% profit margin. So a very healthy profit margin. I am totally okay with that number. It's definitely a little bit lower than what I like to see overall. Last year, my profit margin for the entire year was 77%, but I do know that this quarter was a little bit lower in terms of revenue and a little bit higher higher in terms of my expenses. And like I said, a couple of those are one-offs and I'm not going to be spending that kind of money on Facebook ads next quarter. I mean, <laughs> well, we'll see. I do have an idea for a different type of Facebook ad. I want to try for something completely not related to my presets. So we shall see. But that is what I'm looking at in terms of my Q1 revenue. So let's talk about why I have mixed feelings around this number. So with the total income being 76,640, you know, when I first saw that, or it's not like I only just realized this today before I filmed this episode, I keep an eye on my revenue and my finances kind of like a hawk. Like I'm, I'm checking them at least weekly and kind of seeing how things are going. And I just kind of saw that this quarter was shaping up to be a little bit slower. And so when I compare to Q1 of 2021, I mean, Q1 of 2021 was like one of my best quarters ever. I broke six figures. I made 105,000 in Q1 last year. And so comparing that, you know, with this Q1 of 2022, I made $29,000 less than Q1 of last year, which saying that, of course, at first it's like, it's a bummer and it doesn't sound great. But then when I kind of take a step back and look at the bigger picture, I'm like, you know what? We're fine. We're good. I'm still really proud of that 76K number that my business was able to bring in this year, this quarter. And I think that, and I talk about this in the episode with Ellen Yin, episode 40, but it's all relative. You know, some people are going to hear that 76k number and be like, what are you talking about? Why are you even not complaining? But like, why are you even having mixed feelings about it? That's such an incredible number. Like, you should just be feeling grateful for that. And other people are going to hear that number and think that's it. It's all relative. And again, in the conversation with Ellen, it was such a great episode. You should listen to it if you haven't heard it yet. We talk about how it's natural to feel 
feel this pressure of, I have to grow. My finances have to grow. My collaborations, my brand sponsorships have to grow. My numbers have to grow quarter over quarter, year over year. It has to be on the incline, especially if you are being public about your finances and sharing them transparently, you kind of feel this added pressure. And I think that's natural. But if you think about it, that's just not a reasonable expectation. You can't be in financial revenue growth mode all of the time. And we talked about how a business might even have a quarter, two quarters a year where they're kind of going a little bit more introspective and expecting to have a lower financial quarter. And that could be because you're working on other projects, you're working on other things, setting up different revenue streams, parts of the business that are not necessarily making you money right away, but that work and that upfront effort is setting you up to have a new revenue stream in the future. But you might not see the fruits of that labor until a quarter, a half a year, a year from now. Like it all depends on what you're working on. And so I think part of that was, you know, with my Q1, I was really focused on my course and working on that and doing that beta and recording those sessions live. And so I wasn't pitching as many brands or working with as many brands, but that's okay because I do kind of want my reliance on that revenue stream to kind of go down a little bit. And I was really happy to see that there was such an increase. I mean, I tripled my revenue from Mediavine in Q1 of 2022 as compared to last year. So that's great to see that growth. So there are definitely some really big positives and wins from Q1. Growing that ads revenue and recording my course and getting paid to create it, definitely two really big highlights from Q1. And I think that stepping back to look at that and celebrate those wins are really important, especially because I can get really caught up in those numbers and feeling like, oh, I didn't hit this goal or I didn't hit that goal. There are a lot of other goals that I did hit that are just as important as making more money. And I was talking with Omid about this as well, kind of similar to the conversation with Ellen, but it's just not reasonable or even necessary to expect that you're constantly growing and making more and growing and making more. And again, it's all relative, like even not even thinking about external people and their opinions, but even just within yourself and your own timeline and growth. So what I mean by that is, for example, if I had told myself three years ago, your business is going to bring in $76,000 in Q1, I would have been like, shut the front door. Like, that is out of this world. I can't even believe it. Like that is just beyond what I even envisioned. Because when I left Google, I had told myself, I just want to make six figures. If I can just hit 100k, I will be happy. That will be all that I need. You know, I'll have a successful business. And now because, you know, the bar has been raised, I hit six figures in Q1 of last year. That is like my new kind of bar and standard. And since I didn't hit that six-figure mark in Q1 of this year, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, oh. But again, I just have to take a step back and remind myself that I did a lot of other things besides just hustle and grind on sponsored brand campaigns and pumping out, you know, those hashtag ad pieces. And I did make some important headway in other revenue streams in my business. So I'm feeling really good about that. And then I do want to talk a little bit about why I think that this quarter has been a little bit slower for us content creators. So as I mentioned earlier in this episode, Q1 is always a little bit slower than other 
quarters. It's just brands are kind of still in their planning mode. They're figuring out what their budget even is. Some of them don't even really know what budget they're working with until like February or March. And then they're planning and figuring out how they want to allocate that budget and what kinds of campaigns they want to be running. And so it's kind of, you know, rare for January to be like hot and heavy, you know, off to the races. So that's just kind of like a normal Q1. It's just expected. And again, on Mediavine, the earnings are lower because same reasoning, brands are still figuring out what their budget is. And they know that they're going to want to spend more in the summer when people are traveling and buying things and doing things and then way more in Q4 when everybody's in holiday shopping mode. But this particular Q1 has felt a little bit slower than other Q1s in the past. And I have been hearing this across the board from my other blogger friends. And I'm talking like people that are have really, really large accounts, huge engagement, you know, half a million followers. And they're like, why is it so slow? Like, is this the end for me? Am I am I done? Am I too old? Like nobody wants to work with me anymore. So if you are having those feelings and kind of, you know, in your feels about this, I just want you to know that this has been a really common theme that I have been hearing from many, many different bloggers of all different niches and sizes. And I have a couple of, you know, hypotheses of why this has been the case. The first is, I think, you know, we're kind of on the other side of this pandemic, like we're still in it, people are still getting it. And, you know, fortunately, less people are dying from it, because we have protection, but it's still a thing. And I think that brands are kind of, they were kind of trying to wait and see what was going to happen. We had Omicron pop up, we had the B whatever sub variant of Omicron. And so it was kind of like, okay, like, are we going to be attacked by another variation, another mutation of this virus? Or are people going to be outliving their lives and buying things and traveling and doing things and spending money? So I think brands were kind of trying to see what was going to happen there. The other thing, and this was a really good point brought up by a blogger friend of mine while we were commiserating about this situation together. You know, there's a lot of global and economic uncertainty right now with everything that's happening in Ukraine and the U.S. placing certain sanctions on Russia, gas prices being hiked up. I mean, in California, I have seen it at $6 a gallon. Like it is insane. It's out of control. And it's also affecting other things like the cost of meat and groceries at the grocery store. I mean, everything takes gas to be transported and it's affecting prices across the board. And so I think that brands are also kind of in this wait and see mode of like, is the economy going to crash? <laughs> like, are we going to have to kind of hoard our budgets because there's going to be some kind of economic crisis? I think there's just a lot of uncertainty. And I think that this is contributing to a slower than usual Q1. So I just wanted to kind of share those tidbits because I know as content creators, when this is your business, it can feel really scary when you have a month or two months where it's like crickets or even just slightly slower than what you're used to. So I'm hopeful that we will start to see things picking up for Q2 and just, you know, getting busier and more brand campaigns. And I think I feel like I have seen like pretty good traffic on my site. I actually just hit 150,000 page views in in the last 30 days, which is a big milestone for me. I'm really, really excited about it. And that is also a signal to me that people are 
planning things. They're planning trips. They're planning what furniture they want to buy in their house. You know, I'm looking across all of my different top pieces of content and posts and, and people are spending money. And so that is also a good indicator because when people are engaging in this commercial activity, that gives brands confidence to continue with their marketing and pushing out their messaging. And so, like I said, hopefully we can look forward to a busier and more pop-in Q2. So that is it for my Q1 2022 income report. I hope that it was helpful for you. I hope that there were some pieces in there that shed some light on different revenue streams or lessons learned from this quarter. And if you have not already rated and reviewed the podcast on Apple Podcasts, I would so appreciate it if you could. And I also just want to mention that after I did the 2021 income report episode, I had a lot of people DMing me for requests for different topics that they would love to hear in future episodes. And that was so great. So if you have any suggestions or requests, please don't be a stranger. Feel free to reach out to me and let me know what would be helpful for you to hear. If you could share this episode, I would love that as well. Take a screenshot, share it on your stories, encourage other women to be a little bit more transparent about their business finances so that we can all grow together and lift each other up. And tag me, I'm at WTFab. I would love to know what you thought about this episode. And then last but not least, go ahead and subscribe to the What The Fab podcast through whatever platform it is that you're listening through. Until then, I will be back in your ear next week. Thank you.